Jane Leeds already had 12 kids, and she was giving birth to poor unwanted number 13. She yelled, curse you kid, and she gave birth to a demon which flew up the chimney and escaped into the forest. Welcome to another episode of God and the Paranormal, a podcast exploring the supernatural from a biblical worldview. Thank you so much for listening. I'm Suzanne, and I'm here with John. Well, John, last time we ended up with you telling about your experience with elves, fairies, trolls, and leprechauns. I don't think I mentioned leprechauns. But you do believe in fairies. I don't think I said that either. I think I heard it. What I said was, if a fairy existed, it would have to be supernatural. That's what I wanted to hear. You believe in supernatural fairies. Anyway, let's shelve fairies for the time being. Wait, if we put it on a shelf, wouldn't that be an elf on a shelf? Wouldn't that be an elf (laughs) on the shelf? (laughs) On with the episode. Okay, I went back and found a podcast from about a year ago. And I won't say which one or who it is, and I've altered it a little to conceal the source. But this is a transcript about an alleged Sasquatch encounter. It'll take a couple of minutes, but I want the listeners to get the full context of it. So could you read that, please, in kind of a perplexed Bigfoot experience or voice? Okay, let's see. Yeah, my wife and two kids and myself. I'm just going to read it normally. Okay. Okay. My wife and two kids and myself were there in our RV for the weekend. This was 2012 in the wildlife preserve down in the southeast part of the state. It was early fall and not too crowded. I think there was maybe one other camper about 100 yards down. There was nothing unusual that day. We had hiked down the creek trail, then had supper out at the table, then all headed to bed around 10. Sometime after midnight, my wife woke up and said she heard something outside. It sounded like something scratching around the front of the RV. I figured it was coons or possums, maybe, without going out. I banged on the door and the noise stopped. About 3 a.m., there was a louder noise that seemed like it was hitting the trash up the hill from us about 50 feet. Whoa. I shined a light from the window up toward the cans. At first, I thought it was some park worker picking up the garbage, which I thought was really strange for that early. I kept the light on him, and he didn't seem to notice. My wife went to the other window and pulled the blinds open. I said, I'm not sure why they're doing it so early, thinking she had made the same conclusion I did. I heard her muffle a scream, which of course woke the girls up. They ran to the window with my wife. What is that? One of my daughters screamed. Apparently, this thing heard it and stood up behind the cars. It sure wasn't a man. The thing was at least seven or eight feet tall. I guess I was in shock or something. All I could do was hold the light on it. My wife and the girls were frozen too. This creature was perfectly still, but it knew we were there. It was just staring. I was afraid to move or turn off the light, afraid it would come down to the RV. And this thing could have busted right through any of the windows or probably the walls if it wanted to. And it for sure wasn't a person dressed up or anything. I mean, it was huge and its arms were long, light to its knees. Okay, later on in the interview, the caller says, My flashlight was really bright and we got a good look. It was sort of animal looking, but we all agreed later that there was something not animal about it, especially its eyes. Even in the flashlight, you could see those eyes and they were like, I don't know, just not totally animal. And it seemed like forever, but the whole event was probably about four to five minutes. So we got a pretty good look. The head was kind of cone shaped. 
no fur on its face. That was real clear. And its nose was wide, but still human looking, not like a monkey. My daughters had slid down below the window and I could hear them crying softly. I remember feeling so helpless about then. I didn't have any weapons except a camping axe, and I knew that was worthless. I was surprised that the thing had stood up for so long. I think that's what kept us from moving, afraid of threatening it or making it mad. And then, I'm not sure how to explain it, this monster thing shoved both barrels over like it was mad or something. And that's when, it's hard to explain, we both saw the same thing, so I know it was real. We weren't hallucinating or crazy. This thing started to get... I don't know, blurry, I guess. It was like when your TV is messed up and the picture gets those little squares. My wife says it looked like on Star Trek when they beamed down. Little sparkles started swirling around and it was gone. I mean, in like three seconds, it just vanished. We didn't dare go out until sunrise. The girls were awake the rest of the night crying. I sat by the door with the axe till I could see all around. There weren't any tracks but the two cans were still knocked over and that smell, it was strong like rotten dead skunk or something. What do you do with something like this? At first the encounter was unusual, but still within the bounds of a possible undocumented species. Then it just explodes into full-blown paranormal. Yeah, and the troubling aspect of this is this type of account is not really that uncommon. I think we established last time I listened to way too many Bigfoot podcasts. Oh, we can forgive you for that. It's just research. (laughs) Anyway, I tried to listen to a range of different podcasts just to get a broader perspective. And as we've said, there's obviously a good chance some of these accounts are mistaken identification or just plain fakes. I know that experienced hosts out there do try to vet their callers to some degree, and they try to weed out the fakes. But within this mix, I think there's a good cross-section of what we continue to define as observationally accurate events. In other words, the perceptions of the observers were accurate. They really did see something significant or unexplainable. Uh And an alarming trend in Bigfoot reports over, say, the last five to ten years is that blending with the paranormal that we're seeing. Yeah, in fact, it seems that paranormal Bigfoot encounters are arguably the norm now. Experiencers frequently include a level of strange that's a step up from just the possibility of a nine-foot hairy primate actually existing. Exactly. In the previous account, an obvious line was crossed, I think, when the creature vanishes in thin air. Right. Yeah, that's okay in a magic show, and, and we know it's just an illusion, but it's not a normal event for an earth animal to do something like that. And in this type of paranormal Bigfoot account, like most, it's in a secluded location. There's the obvious assumption that we don't have an elaborate, expensive magician set involved. You have a clearly observed event, possibly witnessed by multiple stable people. And by our previous categories, that at least opens the option of it being something paranormal. And believe it or not, this vanishing act thing that Bigfoot allegedly performs is one of the more common paranormal events that's associated with him. Mm -hmm. It's being called cloaking, and it involves a creature that can fade both in or out of sight. It's crazy. Some encounters have the entity walking into a cliffside or a wall, much as some claim a, a ghost can do, or sometimes even walking into a presumed portal of some sort. Or just sinking into the ground some way. And that's another popular theory that maybe Bigfoot groups live hidden underground somewhere. Weird. But living underground and vanishing is a little bit different. 
Vanishing isn't the only paranormal aspect that we hear about, though. No, the strangeness continues. A lot of reports have Bigfoot doing a kind of mind meld like Mr. Spock, except without touching the victim. Yes, I've heard the term mind speak, essentially some kind of telepathy. Yeah, sometimes in words and sometimes just mental pictures some way. Are the words in English? Yeah, whatever the language of the experiencer is. That's really convenient. I didn't know Bigfoot was so educated. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it's like some kind of emotional or physical control. People report that their legs won't move or their hands are frozen and they can't raise their camera. Also, there are witnesses who claim an extreme unnatural feeling of fear when they witness one of these Bigfoot. So how would you define unnatural? Because a big hairy thing standing in front of you would be scary. (laughs) Yeah. And others describe a sense of calmness and relaxation that flows over them. So I guess we're keeping them from running away. That's really crazy. We've been using the term paranormal here. By our previous definitions, that could mean supernatural or simply unexplained by current scientific laws. Does anyone suggest a yet-to-be-discovered natural force that would allow all of this? The cloaking, the mind-speak, the paralysis? Actually, they do. Fear and paralysis are often attributed to what they call infrasound. Mm. And going back to what we said last time about people feeling the bass frequencies vibrating their bodies, infrasound is audio frequency that's too low to be sensed by human ears, just kind of like vibrations. We know elephants and tigers can sort of produce these frequencies, and the long-term effect is irritation, fear, anger, headaches, nausea. The Russians allegedly used infrasound to mess with the American embassy, as the story goes. Hmm. And some suggest that infrasound and this strange ability to cloak themselves could be just some survival adaptation that maybe it's protected Bigfoot for all of these years, although nothing that extreme has ever been documented in other animals. So some would think Bigfoot are more advanced than we are in some ways. Maybe Mm -hmm. they can even erase our memories like men in black. Maybe a lot of us have actually seen Bigfoot and we just don't remember. Which would all certainly make convenient excuses for them not being officially documented, I guess. If they don't want to be caught or detected, just crank up that shield and mesmerize the observer with sound waves. That's a pretty good defense system. I really wish I could tap into that in my classroom. Here's something even weirder. There are reports, and when I say there are reports, I mean a significant number. I'm still only giving commonalities, too. So we're not talking just a couple of guys with substance abuse issues. Definitely not. And likewise, I'm not suggesting that numerous accounts give irrefutable proof. Anyway, a number of encounters end with Bigfoot shape-shifting into another form, like a wolf or a tree, Mm -hmm. another animal, or, or even a human. Wow. Oh, and while we're going hopelessly weird, let's talk about eye glow. And that's eye glow, not to be confused with eye shine. Right. Ambient light, like from headlights or a flashlight that reflects off the retina of an animal's eyes. Bigfoot observers, though, report eye glow, light that originates in the creature's eyes and kind of shines out like a laser beam, maybe. Wow. Is that even possible? Well, it doesn't occur in any creature on Earth. There are creatures with the ability to create light, but not in the eyes. Mm. And when you think about it, that would kind of defeat the function of an eye anyway. Eyes depend on low levels of light entering and stimulating the retina, but light originating in an eye, 
I can't even imagine a mechanism for that, but it would outshine any images that were being formed. And I'll just go ahead and say it. Glowing eyes would be creepy. (laughs) I think I can safely say if you see constantly glowing eyes in the dark, run away. Well, I'm pretty sure that all of this shoves us squarely into the paranormal. I agree. And Bigfoot researchers have a name for it. They're calling this the woo factor. Like woo. (laughs) Yeah. Woo. (laughs) And if you keep up with the conversations among Bigfoot believers, they're currently dividing themselves into two camps. Those who see Bigfoot as a physical flesh and blood animal and those who think the encounters are paranormal. What do the paranormal woo people think that the source might be? Opinions are all over the place. Some say a type of spirit being, either harmful or helpful. That's been common in some Native American groups for centuries now. Mm. And some say interdimensional creatures who come and go through portals. Crazy. Some say demons. And the term demon, when we use it, we're referencing the rebellious spirits described in Scripture. Some with a completely non-biblical view use that same word demon to mean any malevolent or paranormal spirit. Mm -hmm. There could be some overlap, but usually they're not thinking exactly the same beings that we're thinking about. I've also heard some accounts where Bigfoot are seen in association with UFOs. That's pretty common, too. Or they're seen with orbs and apparitions. So is Bigfoot a UFO pilot beaming (laughs) down to various locations? That would sort of make him a Wookiee, wouldn't it? (laughs) I can see that. And it certainly would explain the creature being able to elude capture, just beam up and fly away. In fact, one Native American tribe has the oral tradition of a small moon, they say, coming down over the village and depositing a group of large, hairy, bipedal, what they called crazy bears. I can vaguely see Sasquatches beaming down from a spherical craft. Anyway... Considering everything we've discussed, specifically the paranormal aspect, deja vu. Is any of this different from the apparitions we explored in episode five? Aren't there reports of alleged ghosts that can do all of this? The physical forms appearing, vanishing, making sounds, putting words in your head, glowing eyes, fear, paralysis? I think you hit it right on the head. There's no difference. But I'm pretty sure you're not going to say that Bigfoot are ghosts. Or can we ask it this way? Is there a single causal factor that explains both phenomena, ghosts and paranormal cryptids? Let's drag out the Ephesians hypothesis again. This is what we do anytime we're faced with potential or alleged paranormal phenomena. Let me summarize that again. One, there is an unseen realm beyond the one in which we live. Two, spirits from that unseen realm can and do interact with our world. Three, Our primary struggle is with fallen spirits from this unseen realm. Four, fallen spirits are evil, scheming, and set on opposing God and keeping us from truth. And five, we can and should be prepared to recognize and withstand these fallen spirits. And the important overarching presupposition to this is, if a supernatural cause is indicated, it will necessarily be the type of supernatural described in Scripture. There are no other choices. Right. And in the previous episode, we proposed that according to Ephesians 6, ghosts are probably manifestations of these fallen spirits or demons and are intended as deceptions. Did you hear that sound? Wait, which sound? The rustle of listeners reaching (laughs) to switch to another (laughs) podcast. As I said, hang on, please. We really aren't looking for the proverbial demon behind every bush. However, we'll say it again, if something does indicate the possibility of being supernatural, it can only be the biblical supernatural. Also, unlike ghostly encounters, I think we have a bit of a snag with Bigfoot encounters. 
Oh, no, I hate snags. Well, this is an interesting snag, though. So with my open, inquiring, often scary, scientifically (laughs) bent mind, I tend to think, and nothing proven, but I tend to lean toward there being a real flesh and blood large primate living in Mm -hmm. some parts of North America. Or to agree with famed primatologist Jane Goodall, it's not impossible. But I'm thinking the one at the beginning of the episode that we just talked about was not flesh and blood. No. It was clearly paranormal. If there actually is, as you say, a population of flesh and blood Bigfoot, then some reports could be flesh and blood and others could be demonic deceptions. Right. So let's frame the question this way. If there really are real flesh and blood Bigfoot roaming around, which needless to say are still mysterious, elusive, legendary, cringy, scary in their own right, Right. would fallen spirits have any incentive to use the already existing mystery that's surrounding these creatures to create the deception of a dematerializing, telepathic, glowing-eye, paranormal Bigfoot? Okay, so in other words... Would they take advantage of the interest and mystique associated with a genuine creature in order to deceive with a similar apparition? They don't have to start from scratch with that deception. Yeah, a deceiving spirit could take a narrative, whether it's real or imagined, one that's already in our minds and already on the verge of being creepy, mysterious, unknown, and it could manipulate it into a scheme for deception and ultimately for altering our worldviews. So far, we focus on just Bigfoot and the possibility that some encounters could be with a physical flesh and blood animal, while others could be demonic manifestations. Do you think that if there are no flesh and blood large primates in North America, that all encounters are deceptions? I suppose that would be my default position if the real animal doesn't exist and the encounters are not misidentifications or hoaxes. But I tend to think there is a good possibility Mm -hmm. of a real animal at the root of the paranormal ones. Okay, so what about other strange cryptids? And I'm not talking about the dinosaurs and the unicorns from last episode. I mean the really fringy ones. I've got just what you're looking for, dog man, and not the cartoon. That's the bipedal canine kind of thing, right? Yeah, very common in ancient history. Mm -hmm. Humanoid body with a dog or a wolf head. Herodotus actually mentions an island full of them called the Sinocephaly. And he was considered a reputable historian. Yeah. Um, That kind of follows the Egyptian god Anubis. He has that form. Yeah, the legend actually came to America from the Cajuns, and it's still a cryptid that's discussed in Louisiana. They call it the Lugaru. Wow. And unlike Bigfoot, it's always aggressive, I've heard. Right. Cajuns say avoid Lugaroos at any cost. And Mm -hmm. Dogman got another PR push in the 1990s when people in Elkhorn, Wisconsin, started seeing what they named the Beast of Bray Road, which was similar to the Michigan Dogman that was already existing. And both of these are described as large, hairy, fierce-looking, bipedal canine beast. Was anyone ever attacked? Uh, Nothing confirmed, but they do chase people and they tend (laughs) to run along beside moving cars menacingly. (laughs) That's super appropriate that they would chase cars. Mm -hmm. Um, But let me state the obvious here. A big, scary dog or a wolf walking on two legs. Aren't we talking about a werewolf? Pretty much, which immediately brings up issues, doesn't it? It does. Bigfoot, maybe. Werewolves, I don't think so. And I would guess I'm not alone in my skepticism. So what about a Bigfoot with a long snout, more like a mandrill or a baboon, kind of a wolfish face on a monkey? Well, that's an interesting thought. I don't know. 
It's a moot point anyway, because alleged dogmen witnesses say it's definitely not an ape body. It's okay. a full canine, except it has hands with fingers and interestingly, a backward knee like real dogs. And yeah, I know that's not correct. I teach anatomy, but think about the leg of any four-legged mammal except humans. It's not really a backward knee. It's their heel that's actually sticking out. Every large mammal except humans and kangaroos kind of walk on their tippy toes. Okay, so supposedly dogmen have hind legs like this too, yeah. not like apes. Yeah. More like the beast um, on Beauty and the Beast movie. Uh-huh. Now compare dogman with Bigfoot. As we said, we have earth analogs of Bigfoot, the great apes. But for all practical purposes, Bigfoot is a primate. Dogman, though, no analogs. There are no known canines that can travel regularly on two legs. Except maybe quirky little chihuahuas, but I'm sure they don't count. No, they don't count. <laughs> And reports of dogmen have them with massive torsos, similar to a Bigfoot, yet running at breakneck speeds on two legs, which would, I guess, have a lot of mechanical problems with a hip and leg bone design like that. So right off the bat, dogmen, if they exist, were probably in the paranormal zone. I think so. But they're really popular right now. One Bigfoot podcaster started a sister podcast devoted exclusively to dogmen. So Dogman's stealing a lot of Bigfoot's thunder. Copycat crimes. People hear Dogman account and conflate their experiences as a canine. I believe that might be happening to some degree. Or could it be that demons ride the popularity wave just like mm. we do? If yeah. people are being successfully deceived by dogman apparitions, then why not take full advantage of it? And I think just as a side note that it's super interesting that the dogman accounts are really a lot of fear-based accounts. Yeah, always doesn't, fearful. Doesn't seem to be any like friendly uh, encounter encounters like Bigfoot has some friendly encounters. No, and that is unusual. Okay, let's look at another popular cryptid. This one has its own book, a hit movie, and a museum, The Mothman. A very strange creature seen for most of 1967 in Point Pleasant, West Virginia. Dark, man-sized figure with wings and glowing red eyes. And interestingly, there was a cluster of UFO sightings in Point Pleasant during mm -hmm. the same time. Can you explain that? Well, supposedly men in black were seen, too, and they wow. were going around threatening Point Pleasanters not to discuss the strange occurrences. If I recall, the sighting slacked off with the horrible collapse of the town's Silver Bridge. Yeah. 43 people were killed in that disaster. Mm -hmm. And so some people have considered Mothman a type of omen to that tragedy. And the Mothman cryptid is typically tied to the abandoned dynamite plant just outside the town. So mm. you've got glowing eyes, mysterious building, creepy backstory, and impossible physics. And by that, I mean, for a man-sized thing to fly, it would take about a 100-foot wingspan. Wow. Okay, I vote supernatural. Good call. Okay, let's up the weirdness a notch. We're already flirting with a fringe factor of five. Let's talk about the Jersey Devil. A cryptid that actually is considered a demon, and an odd one at that. Horsehead, goat horns, bird body, forked tail, bat wings. That is nightmare material. Yeah. The story is that back in 1735, a woman named Jane Leeds already had 12 kids, and she was giving birth to poor unwanted number 13. She yelled, curse you, kid, and she gave birth to a demon which flew up the chimney and escaped into the forest. 
At least she didn't have to care for it. Nope. Do you think we need to put a PG-13 rating on this? <laughs> Maybe so. <laughs> and this thing is still said to reside in the Pine Barrens of New Jersey to this very day. Mm. Still having ongoing encounters with it. Still no explanations. Just continued reports of it. All right. Moving right along. Shadow people. Very popular on social media today. Literally human-like shadows floating around rooms, passing through walls, caught on security cams, generally causing fear and distress. Pretty much a ghost, right? Yeah. Or as we concluded in episode five, a demonic manifestation. And there are variations on shadow people. There are hat men, shadow people, <laughs> grinning man, shadow people. And during the Mothman encounters, people reported a shadow person who materialized long enough to say that his name was Indrid Cold. Oof. Okay. What about, let's not forget those black-eyed children. Thousands <laughs> of reports of young kids with totally black eyes, very pale faces, and usually wearing hoodies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And the typical scenario, they come to your car and they want to get in, or they knock on your door at home and want to come in. If you refuse to let them in, they argue viciously and then allegedly just fade away in a few seconds. Well, what if you let them in? I couldn't find any accounts where someone let them in. So I would just say, don't let them in. Okay. I won't. Some other alleged entities that are high on the social media cryptid list right now. Let's just group these together. They're similar, although not exactly animals. More humanoid, I would say, but we'll just go with the flow and call them cryptids. Rakes, wendigos, skinwalkers, reptilians, mantis men, and the list goes on. And, you know, I think that unusually broad selection gives us a clue to their real identity. We'll get to that mm. in a minute. Anyway, skinwalkers, thanks to the Skinwalker Ranch series, they've spread through social media everywhere now. Yeah. And they're, they're based on an old Navajo legend. According to traditions, these are evil witches or medicine men who can shapeshift mostly into animals and they attack and kill humans. So be nice to animals because you never know whether you're dealing with a skinwalker. That's right. <laughs> and if you're not encountering a skinwalker, you may be experiencing a wendigo, a similar mm. thing. These are accounts from northern indigenous tribes. And a wendigo is kind of a spirit that can possess humans and turn them into deranged cannibals. Ah, and the descriptions of what people report today are like tall, skinny, emaciated bodies. You can see bones and organs sticking out. Yuck. And often with deer antlers. Yeah. And not to be confused with rakes. Now, these are interesting. They started relatively recently as more of an internet meme. People began reporting pale, extremely skinny humanoid figures that kind of glow in the dark and they move awkwardly, sometimes slithering on the ground even. And those are sometimes called crawlers. Tell me more about the mantis man. That sounds interesting. Yeah, a mantis man, uh, like a praying mantis. I actually interviewed a lady several years ago who claims to have seen something like an upright praying mantis, except yeah. it was the size of a person running across the road in front yeah. of her. And both mantis men and reptilians are considered by a lot of paranormal enthusiasts now as being aliens. Mantis men or insectoids look a lot like the tall greys we hear about. Those are the aliens who supposedly abduct people. Is it just me, or do all of these just reek of the demonic? I think you're right on target again. There's nothing natural or wholesome about any of these cryptids. Bigfoot and Nessie, you know, they're kind of cuddly in a weird sort of way, but <laughs> yeah. not these things. And for that matter, should we even call them cryptid? 
Well, paranormal believers lump them under that category, but I think you're right. These are just recycled versions of the same old pagan demonic stuff that we've heard of for millennia now. Mm -hmm. And many in this category are connected with the occult. Self-proclaimed witches, shamans, Satanists, they often perform rituals to conjure these creatures. So just another open invitation for demons. Yeah. And I'm going to say this very carefully, not trying to single out individuals. Usually, not always, these creatures overwhelmingly manifest themselves to those who already have a history of occult dabbling. I've seen statistics on this. Few, if any, Bible-believing regular church attenders encounter these supernatural cryptids. Yeah, and I don't think that's just a magical shield against demons. It's the result of spiritual discernment that comes from a close relationship with Christ, which only comes from spiritual discipline of prayer and obedience to God's Word. Also, considering the fact that there is so much diversity in what people report about cryptid encounters, there's no difference in what we noted with ghosts. The apparitions tend to be custom-made to deceive the experiencer, very much like demon activity. So really, why do we even bring up reports of these creatures? One main reason, a significant number of people are affected by them. And I keep saying this, but I want to make it clear. Most encounters are probably not supernatural. Undoubtedly, there are exaggerators and plenty of substance abusers to generate these. And it's also an adrenaline rush to get a thousand views on TikTok. Yep. But here's the concern. When the dust settles, there's still that core group of encounters that seem to indicate a supernatural origin. Observers with no intent to gain money or fame who just seem genuinely horrified by the event. You've got physical laws that seem to be circumvented, fear and confusion everywhere. And the big giveaway, worldviews are changed. Experiencers are usually terrified, confused, and are forced to accept an alternate non-biblical view of reality. And God's word is blatantly undermined. So considering all we've just discussed, an array of grotesque, terrifying, confusing, seemingly supernatural creatures witnessed by a wide range of people in many different settings, let's ask our test question again. Would there be any incentive for a fallen spirit or a demon to manifest these alleged creatures or scenarios? I think it's the same answer as with ghosts. Simply, the belief in these presents an alternate view of the supernatural realm, not even close to the biblical view. Deceptions will be custom-fitted to the individual involved. The fallen spirits in Ephesians 6 will use the culture, popular fads, social media, preconceptions of the individual, and maybe even TV shows. They may even arrange circumstances for the deception. And let's just put a simple wrapper on all of this. If a demon can manifest as a dead relative or a Civil War soldier or a ghost ship or a voice or a dial movement of an EMF meter... Then why not, as a telepathic Bigfoot, or a Wendigo, or a Ray, or a Dogman, or a Black-Eyed Child? And as we said, most alarmingly, worldviews are being changed by these events. Experiencers are left confused and fearful. Truths of God's Word are called into question. You can't imagine the number of encounters that end with, oh, I'll never go into the woods again, Mm -hmm. or I don't look at things the same anymore, and I'm haunted by the experience daily, or what else am I wrong about? Or even, if these creatures are everywhere, then where is God? Let's put a parenthesis in here and briefly add an idea that's circulating in a lot of paranormal circles currently. And remember, our objective is not to sensationalize weirdness, but to examine topics that are significantly affecting worldviews. 
in court cases, they sometimes have expert witnesses and you hear them say something like, this hair sample is not inconsistent with the suspects. It could be the suspects, but it could be from one of many other people. You didn't prove it was the suspects, but you didn't disprove it. And this idea, like many others we'll discuss, is not inconsistent with scripture. That's what we'll say. Which is to say our discussions aren't necessarily endorsements. Yeah. So here goes. What if Bigfoot, Dogman, Mothman, and all these things we talked about are remnants of the Nephilim? Like from episode six, the offspring of the sons of God and the daughters of men in Genesis six? Yeah. So they're the hybrid monstrosities of demons and human women? Well, yeah. Within the group who take Genesis 6-4 to be supernatural, some believe the Nephilim line has continued to the present, and that explains some or all of the cryptids we've mentioned. Then they would consider Bigfoot and other cryptids not to be demonic spirits, but flesh and blood creatures possessing tainted demonic genetics. And that might theoretically allow almost any possible creature. And that's being discussed seriously in both Christian and especially secular circles. And some go as far as to say cryptids and possibly other mythological creatures throughout history may be the results of continued interbreeding among these Nephilim descendants. I know it's wild, but proponents bring up how most myths could have some root in reality. So we're talking centaurs, werewolves, yep. harpies, merpeople, ogres. Man, this is fringy. It is. But if Genesis 6 was indeed a supernatural atrocity, then it isn't inconsistent with Scripture. In other words, a straightforward reading of Scripture doesn't really contradict the idea. And if some cryptids are flesh and blood demonic weirdness, I'm hoping someday more data might give more evidence mm -hmm. of that. Maybe a real body recovered somewhere. I'll give you one more possibility, one with a bit more scientific credibility, but still kind of out there in the conspiracy theory zone. It's been suggested that cryptids could be the result of secret government programs that alter the genetics of living things. Don't we do that already without assuming conspiracy theories? Like, aren't over half of what you buy at the grocery store, it's already a genetically modified organism, right? Yeah, that's right. And that's not weird. Scientists produce new plants and animals every day that have actually never existed on Earth before, so it's not out of the question. Just very foreboding. And we mentioned the idea of a chimera, a combination of different animals into one. That's actually done regularly today. Wow. Uh, one example, in 2007, the University of Nevada combined embryonic cells from a human and a sheep, and they literally created a sheep that had 15% human cells in its body. Wow. We should talk about that more, but I guess your book does. <laughs> um, so even if weird genetic hybrids may not be walking the earth now, they could be very soon. Is that what we're saying? In some variation, I think. We could go on and on with the future possibilities. Um, this is something that may be creepier in actuality than it is in theory. Yeah. I'm so glad that we can know God and have the hope of heaven and we don't have to live in fear. That's right. Even with all of these scientific advancements. Amen. Why don't we save some of this for a future episode and end with this question? How should a believer respond to all of these arguments above? It is a diverse and multifaceted subject, but I think the source is relatively simple. I'm not a psychologist or a counselor, and I would never just throw out generic advice on a podcast or suggest cures or simplistic fixes. Unfortunately, we don't have to. 
I believe God's word is sufficient for all things spiritual. And if some of these encounters are indeed with spirit entities, then their ultimate source is Satan, the father of lies. And scripture offers many proven strategies to deal with Satan and demons. We've discussed these in previous episodes. The first is just be informed and aware of your enemy's tactics. 1 Peter 5, 8-9 says, Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls about like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Resist him, firm in your faith. And not to be meddling, but for some people, that may mean stop binge-watching paranormal shows and Mm -hmm. don't dabble with horoscopes or tarot cards or Ouija boards. And don't take strange things at face value. 1 Thessalonians 5, 21-22 says, Test everything. Hold fast what is good. Abstain from every form of evil. If something seems to be of a spiritual nature, 1 John 4, 1 says, Do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. And I think we've lost the idea of being preemptive in this. Ephesians 6, 10-11 says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might, and then put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. In other words, don't wait until the battle starts to put your Mm. armor on. Be battle ready Mm -hmm. by staying in God's word and keeping a strong relationship with him. This is good. Um, So I'm still going to go hiking, but maybe I'll just go with a friend. (laughs) We've covered a lot of material today and things you aren't likely going to hear in a Sunday sermon. But nevertheless, important in forming a strong biblical worldview with what's going on in our world. And however weird the topic gets, I hope everyone remembers, God isn't wringing his hands wondering whether some strange cryptid or even the idea of a strange cryptid is going to upset his plans in some way. Whatever we discover in the universe or whatever we talk about on this podcast, natural, supernatural, it will not take God by surprise. And we've said this before, if this topic causes you to be fearful and confused, you've missed our point. Satan and his followers are a defeated enemy. If you're a born again child of God, greater is he who is in you than he that is in the world. Thank you so much for joining us today. If you would like to comment or ask questions, please send us an email at godintheparanormal at gmail.com. Or if you want to share an experience or have suggestions for future episodes, You can also get more information at our website, thinkingaboutthebible.com. We do offer live presentations on a variety of apologetic topics. If you found this podcast useful or interesting, please share it with others. You can find us on most major podcast platforms. Also, our YouTube format has a video component for each podcast with verses, charts, and outlines. Thank you so much for listening, and goodbye for now.